0: Hello, thank you. It's good to be back. It's really nice being away. Swimming pool, sun, then a little bit of rain, lots of orange juice, lots of kids waking up at 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning, every day, every moment. Wanting to go out and swim and have fun, every second. So yes, we've come home to rest. But it's, um, it was really nice. It is nice to go away as a family. It's always, I don't know about anyone else. I'm sure I've shared this before. Does anyone go away in the first few days a week? It's just a bit tense. You know, you're trying to unwind, but everything's like you're away. You've got to do stuff now. You've got to get up early, you've got to do this, you've got to go here, you got to grab a coffee, go find a new coffee shop, go to the, swim in the pool, do this, do that, wear shorts that don't fit, all that sort of stuff. No one experienced any of that? Like, it just like happens every time I go away. And then just as I start to wind down, it's like, oh, we're packing up to go home. <laughs> Here we are, we're back again. Yay! <laughs> it was nice. It's, it is really nice to be back with extended family, w- with you guys. It doesn't matter what church you visit, you can have a great time wherever you go. Uh, I often do, but there's something special. When you have actually planted yourself somewhere regardless of what you've experienced and where you've been when you've planted yourself somewhere and you come home there's just something so surreal about walking back into your own home you know you can go to stay in the best hotel room with the most comfortable mattress in the world but when you're back home and it's your bed and it's your shower with not too much pressure you know (laughs) like it's all the stuff that you're accustomed to just something nice about being back home and it's always nice coming back here so hey we're back. <laughs> well, let's see. What's the time? Awesome. We've got to fly. Um, just before we left and went on our little family uh, two-week vacation, could you imagine just as a segue here, um, the boys just had two weeks off school, and I guess they can do that you know, in grades three and four, and they go back to school tomorrow for, the next, for one week and two days. <laughs> And tomorrow is a movie day for both grade three and grade four. And Tuesday is an excursion to Sovereign Hill for both grade three and grade four. Like, man, I should have put my name down to be one of those excursion parents on Tuesday. Anyway, just before we went away, I I, I taught on the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person, the person of the Holy Spirit. And it's really important that we understand that the Holy Spirit's a person because it helps us relate to the Holy Spirit and hear from the Holy Spirit. And it's important to know that the Holy Spirit is is not only a part of the Godhead, he's not a lesser part. You know, Father, Son and Holy Spirit are equal members of the Trinity, yeah? It's not like a pie where one's got 65%, the other's got, you know, 25%. The other's got 10. It doesn't work that way. They are equal members of the Trinity. And so it was important for us to to get that into our our foundation. And today I want to continue to teach on some of those, I guess, foundational principles of Christianity because I love the song that um, Georgia chose that we sang at the end, or the team chose, however it came about, uh, because they don't know what I'm speaking about today. But I I want to talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I want to have a look at it doctrinally I want to have a look at it through scripture about being baptised in the Holy Spirit it's not something that was for them it's not something just for the howdy doody laser light show Pentecostal churches it's something for every Christian in every church in every denomination across the globe full stop yeah so we live in a constant paradox with Christianity you know Ross says it all the time. Trevor said it perfectly truthfully. We have all that we need in him. The fullness of God lives inside of us. But it's also as true, just as true, equally true to say that there's more. Because the Bible tells us to be hungry and thirsty, be desperate. The Bible tells us that we are his righteousness. We are his righteousness. Full stop. The Bible also says to pursue and to seek righteousness. Yeah? We live in a constant paradox. It's, it's like this. We're alive in our bodies. Yeah? We're alive and our hearts are beating and we're well. But I know that if I eat, I can have more energy not because I'm dead, I'm actually alive and I'm well. But if I eat particular foods, I can have more energy. It's a little bit like that in our spirit. We are born again, we are saved, we are okay, we're great. But there is more of God to empower us. Yeah? And we've got to understand the difference. See, there's a difference between the infilling at salvation yeah, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's an actual difference. That's why the Bible talks about it that's why it's there scripture after scripture after scripture yeah so i want to unpack some of that stuff today if we can is that all right so let's pray it's probably a good place to start father we just pray that you would remove any voice of the enemy that wants to sow seeds of dissension or doubt and we pray god that our our ear ways lord and our heart ways would be clear to receive all that you want to say to us. Father, that you would today empower us to bring us to new levels, Lord Jesus. Father, that we would truly experience what we have always spoken about, going from glory to glory and from strength to strength. Father, that we would become more like your son Jesus daily. So have your way today in all that we say and here in your name we pray. Amen. So, a couple of really, I'm just going to grab my water. Really, basically, Jesus performed no miracles, yeah, until he received the Holy Spirit, until he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. He didn't do anything, yeah, like there was nothing that happened. There's nothing, you know, recorded and, until he actually was given the power to do them, okay? Now, if Jesus our Saviour, needed the power of the Holy Spirit for His ministry on earth, then I think it's safe to say that Jesus believes that His disciples, you and I, need that same power. Yeah, Particularly if we're going to do greater things than He did. Is that a fair call? And what I love is that there's a promise of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and we have access to that because of Jesus. Now, if we're going to talk about the baptism or the power of the Holy Spirit, the Greek word that is used is dunamis. Most people would know that if you've done a study in that. The word dunamis is where we get our English words like dy- dynamic or dynamite or dynamo. Okay? Now, I've got examples of great men of God of the past. I just want to read something about Smith Wigglesworth. Anyone know about Smith Wigglesworth? A few people. If you don't, look him up. Smith Wigglesworth. It's a really strange name. I'd rather be a Battistella than a Wigglesworth. Like, what, what really, what, what's the financial equivalent of a Wigglesworth? What is a Wigglesworth? You know, like, you wouldn't change... Anyway. So, anyway, let me, read about, let me read about Smith. To have two surnames. It's bad enough that some people have two first names. He's got two surnames. Smith Wigglesworth. And they reckon it's hard being Italian. Seriously. Smith Wigglesworth was a man that God used to perform remarkable miracles. You've you, you got to read some of the stuff. Like, he was out there. He was on the edge. If you had a sickness, he would punch you where your sickness was, and you would be healed. Probably because you couldn't feel the pain anymore because he punched you. You know, I don't know. But that, he would do wild stuff, yeah? Anyway, it says, however, he had no formal training. He was sent to work at the mill at the age of seven, Working 12 to 14 hours a day, he had no opportunity to go to school. It was not until he was 26 years old that Wigglesworth learned to read and write. His wife taught him. When he and his wife started Bollard Street Mission in Bradford, now some of you may not know this, his wife was the preacher. Yeah? Wigglesworth did what they call the menial tasks. Yeah. But after he was baptized in the Spirit, he was transformed. And it says, one night, he, he preached one night and his wife cried out. So while he was preaching, his wife cried out, you're going to love this, that's not my Smith. And then it goes on to say, the old Smith Wigglesworth, Smith Wigglesworth was seen no more. See, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's an empowering that comes that changes your life. You are not the same again. Yeah, you don't come to Jesus and say yes to Jesus, so to speak, Yeah. You you say yes to Jesus, so now you're walking the Christian life. Some people never change. There's something that's missing, yeah? See, when we look at at what it's like to live out this Christian life baptised in the Holy Spirit, there's a couple of things that we've got to acknowledge, that before Jesus, we were tainted by sin. We were born with it. We were there, we were earmarked, it's just done because of Adam and Eve and all that stuff, yeah? We don't want to get into that theology right now, but... We were tainted with sin. So then we come to know that there's this man, Jesus, our Savior, who died on a cross. And so we come into a personal relationship now with God. We're His children, yeah? Believing in what Jesus did on the cross, yeah? So God, at that point, He empties us of sin because Christ's blood has cleansed us of sin, yeah? Then He fills us with the purity of his spirit when we repent and ask Jesus to come into our lives. So we do have the spirit of the living God living inside us at that point of repentance. We do, yep, totally. But having God's spirit in us is enough to sustain us and probably keep our, you know, our own personal walk going. But it doesn't give us the power to overflow onto others. So let me ask you a real question. And I want you to be yourself and ask yourself this, have you ever met a Christian that is powerless? Just ask yourself that question. Yet at the point of repentance because of the cross, Jesus did a work in us that removed sin and placed his spirit inside of us. Yet there are Christians yeah that walk powerless. And that's because the infilling of the Holy Spirit of salvation is different to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. See, the baptism of the Holy Spirit empowers us with the Holy Spirit's power, okay? And that then allows us to flow onto others. You know, I I would suggest that this is probably one of the least understood principles of Scripture, the infilling and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Sweeping generalization, yeah? But I reckon it's reasonably accurate. And I think a lot of Christians actually miss the greater blessing of experiencing God and all that he has for them because they believe that that salvation is the baptism and what you get there is all there is. But you have to understand there is always more Though He is more than enough, there is always more because He's not defined as we are defined. He's God. How long is a piece of string? He has no beginning. He has no end. Yeah? So when you think you've got it all, there is still more. Yeah? Sometimes we just need to see it, need to learn it. He needs to teach us or show us. Someone needs to bring it to our attention so that we can understand it. You know, the Bible does teach that when we say yes to Jesus and surrender our hearts that that we receive the infilling of the holy spirit the bible does teach that in 1 john 3:9 no one who is born of god will continue to sin because god's seed remains in them so we've received his seed yeah okay romans 8:9 you however are not in the realm of the flesh but in the realm of the spirit if indeed the spirit of god lives in you yeah 1 Corinthians 16:9, "Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you. Yeah? So we receive the Spirit of God when we say yes to Jesus. Fantastic. But that's not it. See God puts His spirit in us when we're born as a child of God, but that's not the end. That's, that's actually just the beginning. Yeah? That's just the beginning. Buying a brand new car is just the beginning. Hitting the throttle, seeing how fast it goes, is the beginning of the story, yeah? Enjoying some of it. We're now in a position where we can receive and live in all that God has purposed for us. It's really quiet out there. So let's flesh this out a little bit. That can stay there. John twenty twenty. After he'd said this, he showed them his hand. So this is after the resurrection, Yeah. After he'd said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is the indwelling, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It's not the baptism of the Holy Spirit yet. Okay? See, it's from this passage that they receive the Holy Spirit, but the real power comes later. The baptism in the Holy Spirit comes later. In fact, it didn't happen until the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell on them, and that was like 40 days after that. So Jesus breathes on them and says, Receive the Holy Spirit. Did the Holy Spirit take 40 days to get to where Jesus had just breathed? No, because that was just the beginning, yeah? That was just the beginning. It turned their world upside down because they went from hiding, yeah, from being persecuted and hiding. All of a sudden, when they're in the upper room and the Holy Spirit falls on them, they become a people who share the gospel in front of the very people that were persecuting them and they were afraid of. So something shifted. Something changed in them, yeah? See, they received the gift of the Holy Spirit right there you know, in John 20, the indwelling, but it was the power that came later. That's why when you read in Acts, in chapter 1, if you read the beginning of Acts in chapter 1, it's it's talking about Jesus after the resurrection. And in verse 5, it says, Jesus himself says, For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He even says to them, that's after he's breathed on them. He's talking about the baptism of the Spirit. He's talking about the empowering. Yeah? Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be a Christian who lives empowered. I want to be a Christian who prays for people and doesn't hope for their healing, but sees their healing. Yeah? So we can't perform in our full purpose and potential without the empowering, without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In John, in 15.5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We need the Spirit of God to be able to do anything. Is that a fair summation of that? Ephesians 3, 17 and 18 says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep... Do you know when people read this, they actually think it's just one big statement, but you've got to break it up. I'm I'm looking at the screen there. So let me read it with you. And I pray that you, one, being rooted and established in love, yeah, yeah, Two, may have power. Three, together with all the people. Four, to grasp. It's not, hey, I just pray that you've got the power to grasp God's love. That's not it. Yeah? It's actually broken up into sections. That you would have power. Are you getting this? Come on, I know we're a church of Christ, but please. Church of Christ, who is alive and well. Yeah? Yeah? And living within us. Think of it like this. When you look at an army in history, you'll never see a commanding officer send out his troops without the right tools to fight the war, to fight the battle. Is that a fair call? Yeah. And, and actually, that's, that's the same for life today. Do you really think you're ever going to see a, a, a carpenter hammer a nail without a hammer? Or a tiler trying to tile without a trowel. Or a football team trying to play football without a football. Or a tennis player trying to win Wimbledon without a tennis ball on the court. You need the right tools, yeah? He gives us the tools. See, Jesus came to give us all the Holy Spirit as a free gift. You know, Jesus, he invites us to come to him, doesn't he? John 7.37, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and, la- and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty, who is thirsty, come to me and drink. Not who is thirsty, and I will come to you and pour it down your throat. Yeah? Come to me and drink. So we sang this morning, be hungry and desperate for him. That requires you and I to have a hunger. Yeah? Yeah? It requires you and I to be thirsty. It requires you and I to be desperate, and in that He comes. But hold, there's the paradox. But we already have all that we, we, everything already. Yeah. Don't live on one side of the truth. Yeah. Because with God's coins, they're always two-sided. We have everything we need. But I want you to be hungry and thirsty and desperate for more. Come on, that's so good. John 7, 38 and 39, Whoever believes in me, as scripture, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. After that time, they, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. If we're to be honest, if you and I are to be honest, I actually I, I think it's all of us could probably say that we've all felt dry and empty at times in our lives, yeah? Even as Jesus people, even as Christ followers, yeah? Even as a pastor, as an elder, as an accountant, whatever you do in life, all of us, Bible college, no Bible college, seminary, no seminary, whatever it is, all of us have had times in our life where we've felt a little bit dry, yeah? And a little bit empty, See, Jesus is saying that by His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, we we can be refreshed and our thirst can be satisfied. Like, I love that. I mean, there are some times where in your faith you're like, "Eh? I know not you, it's just me. And, And I know it's got nothing to do with the church family here. It's just me outside there. You know, I guess the question is, how thirsty are we? Jesus has got this this endless supply of living water, but how much do we want to drink? How much do you and I want to drink? Do we want to drink so much that it overflows onto others so that they'll be blessed as well? Or do we want to drink just enough that we're satisfied? And that's, hey, that's cool. Thanks, God. So Jesus makes it clear through Scripture exactly what he's going to do and who he's going to send. Luke 24, 49. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. So the Father promised to give the baptism of the Holy Spirit to every believer. But He says, stay until you've been clothed with power. You've got to love it. It's, there's something poetic about that, isn't there? Think about it. Peter, James, and John and the other disciples had just finished three and a half years of walking and talking with Jesus. Yeah? Three and a half years of training. Ministry training with the Son of God. They had been with him 24-7. He even gave them on-the-job training assignments, didn't he? Almost like a traineeship. Go out, do this, do that, yeah? He explained the Word of God to them. He modelled godly behaviour and effective ministry. I don't think there's been any man or woman on earth to this day that has had better training than that. Man, wouldn't we love to have walked and talked with Jesus 24-7 for three and a half years, seriously? Man, how confident would we be? Yet, it's to these men that Jesus says, Hey, boys, don't go out to minister just yet. Stay in Jerusalem. You're not fully ready for New Testament ministry. You're You're not fully ready yet. You still need something to be effective in ministry. And you don't have it yet. You you actually lack it. Um, And that's going to be the Holy Spirit. And he's going to come from on high. So these men had the word of God. They'd been personally trained by Jesus. They were not considered ready for ministry. Why? Because they didn't have the spiritual power from on high. They needed to accomplish their ministries. They needed to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they weren't baptised in the Holy Spirit yet. And that is a pattern for us. Come on. It's a pattern for us. You may be satisfied being a Christian, knowing that your salvation is secure, yeah, and living powerless. I'm not satisfied with that. I am not satisfied with that. No, No true believer in Christ should be satisfied with that. Because the empowering is all about bringing glory to Jesus, yeah? Mark 16, 17 and 18. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands and they will drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. This is what it looks like when we walk in our true identity. This is what it looks like when we walk in our original design. This is what it looks like when we've received the empowering, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says, stay in the city. He didn't say, go and do the work of the ministry by yourself. He never said that. He didn't say, have a go, and if you can't do anything, I'll come out and help you. We've got to learn about our father, our daddy, papa, that he never sets us up for disappointment. Yeah? Life throws disappointment our way, no doubt, but He doesn't set us up for disappointment, ever. He will never give us more than we can bear. Let me add to that, you'll be surprised what you can bear when you're walking with Him, yeah? You've got to understand that. He will never give you something that you cannot bear, but unless you're walking with Him, you will not bear it. (laughs) Yeah? He'll never put you in that position because he's a good, good father, yeah? In all things, God provides for his people. He never intended for us, his children, to attempt to do anything in ministry for ourselves without him, in our own efforts. It's all about relying on his power. That's why he said in John, in the scripture we read earlier in 15.5, apart from me, you can do nothing. See, serving God's a lifelong partnership between us and him, relying on him, Yeah? So, as, as believers, what do we have to do to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? Well, I'm glad you're asked. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39 Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Generally speaking, people receive the baptism of the, the, the Holy Spirit when they've had hands laid on them, when they've been prayed for. It just seems to happen over and over again. Yeah? Doesn't only happen that way, but it certainly seems to be the majority or percentage of the way that it, it pans out. Now, I, I need to show you this, and I'm not sharing this to confuse you, but I, you need to know it as well. Acts 10.44 also, yeah, also shows, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who had heard the message. We just read a scripture in Acts that said, repent and be baptised. Yeah? it's not for your salvation okay? repent and be baptized every one of you it's talking about yes your salvation it's talking about the receiving of the Holy Spirit then in Acts 10.4 Peter's speaking and there are people in the hearing that receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit yet they would never been baptized in water so you don't have to be baptized in water to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit Having said that, if you continue to read in Acts, straight after receiving the Holy Spirit, the scripture says that they immediately got baptized. Okay? I just want to point that out because I'm suggesting that it's a heart thing. We repent and we get baptized and then we cry out to Him and we have a hunger and a thirst and a desperation and people pray for us and they lay hands on us and the Holy Spirit comes. But here's an example of where it wasn't that way. But then having received the Holy Spirit, they, well, we better get baptised then, yeah? There is one condition, though, for you and I to fill, if we want, the empowering, the gift of the Holy Spirit. No, you don't have to be Pentecostal. (laughs) Yes, you can even be a Baptist or part of the Churches of Christ. You could even be Presbyterian or Catholic, yeah? All you have to do is ask. I know that this theology is blowing your mind. Yeah, because I thought it was just for them. But it's for all of us. All we have to do is ask. Luke eleven thirteen. 13. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. those who ask. ask him? We need to ask. We ask and we expect. Yeah. We ask and we believe. We ask and we receive. And be persistent about it. Like, just be persistent. The Holy Spirit's not just for the frozen chosen. Alright? The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for every and any believer who is willing to humble themselves, get desperate, thirsty, and ask. Jesus promises His disciples that they would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now He went as far to tell them what would happen when they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the, the earth. The Bible is full of examples of people being baptized in the Holy Spirit, of becoming bold, being empowered when the Holy Spirit comes on them. You know, in Acts 2 is a perfect example because Peter's preaching, the same Peter who denied Jesus three times. Chicken, pop, pop, a Do you know him? Nah. Matt. Weren't you with him? No way. I'm sure I saw you. It wasn't me. All of a sudden, he's there saying, Hey, people, this Jesus that you crucified, you know what? He was the Christ. Something shifted in Peter. Father God says he'll do the same for us. Luke 12, 11. And when you you were brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at the time what needs to be said. This is what happened to Peter. Yeah? Almost a month ago I taught on prayer. See, we can even pray more powerfully because the Spirit now can direct us. In our prayers. Romans 8, 26, and 27. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us, believers, in harmony with God's own will. Yeah? The Spirit. This is what it says in Jude, in verse 20. It says, But you, dear children, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah? So when we pray, pray in the power of the Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide your prayers. It's... I know people will teach you that speaking in tongues, however, whatever your tongue sounds like, is the, is, is the example or the evidence that you're baptised in the Holy Spirit. But it's not the only evidence. Scripture doesn't lean to that. It is a gift that comes from the Holy Spirit, yes. But it's not the evidence. You can be baptised in the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues. wow. If there's anybody listening online from a Pentecostal church, some of them may have just turned off. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through you and for you. And if you speak in an angelic tongue, amen, go for it with all the gusto and might that you have. And if you don't have that gift and you want that gift, then pray for it. Ask. Get with someone that does and ask them to lay hands on you, yeah? I'll tell you one thing as a side note. If you don't speak in tongues and you want to speak in tongues, the minute you try to speak in tongues, this thing in here is going to say these words exactly. You sound like a fool. Sounds stupid. You're an idiot. Yeah? Not my words. Trust me, they will be in your head. I'm just going to say persevere. If you desire the gift, the Bible tells us to desire the gifts, then persevere in it. Stick with people that have got the gift, yeah? In the same way, if you want a, the prophetic gift, get with people that are prophetic. Learn from them. Have them pray for you, amen? Because of the Holy Spirit, we now have access to all the spiritual gifts. That God is love, daddy's love, papa's love. He loves us. He's true. He loves his children so much that he promises us the baptism of the Holy Spirit for this generation. For the next generation and for the next generation and for the next... It doesn't run out. That's a true ever-ready battery, yeah? Not like the stuff you buy in packets that tell you last lasts forever, and it doesn't. Acts 2.39, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all who the Lord our God will call. No matter what anyone else may say, there is always more in the Father. Yes, you have his fullness. Yes, you have the more than enough, but the more than enough has more, yeah? If you're thirsty, you know you can fill that glass. But you know that if you go to the tap, there's more. (laughs) There's always more. And the disciples weren't just filled once, they were filled by the Holy Spirit multiple times. You know, some will teach, I don't personally believe, some will teach that it's a one-time filling. I don't think that. I think we live in a world that so throws stuff that way that we're up one minute, we're down the next. We're faithful believers one second, and we're doubting the next. Now, I just think there's a bit of a roller coaster ride from time to time. But when we ask, when we're thirsty and hungry and desperate, God fills us over again and again and again. That's why you see Peter in Acts. It says in Acts 4.8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders. So we know that he's filled with the Holy Spirit there, yeah? But then he gets filled again because in Acts 4.31, after all this stuff took place, after he preached, it says, after this The meeting place shook and they were all filled, except for Peter, with the Holy Spirit. Is that what it says? No, it says they were all filled. All of them. They were in the hearing, hearing Peter himself. So he gets filled again. Because sometimes we just need that power from God. Yeah? It's not about salvation, it's about being effective in ministry, it's about glorifying Him. What about Paul? He's still known as Saul. Acts 9.17 says that Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then he gets filled again afresh a few chapters later, because Acts 13.9 says, Then Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas. If you read the whole story, he's he's actually being empowered right at that time. Man, I love it when you're praying for people and God empowers you. And you get a word that you think, wow, that's him. You're driving a car and you're worshipping and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you get this revelation from something that you read a year ago. All it takes is for us, you and me, to ask for and then receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't know why people are frightened of the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It it dumbfounds me. Because who's the one who sends the Holy Spirit? John 16, 7. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So that was for them. Oh, so Jesus just sent him for them then, then. No, it's like for every day. And he said... Man, if we can't trust what the Lord is doing, who can we trust? Often when people receive the Holy Spirit, you know, I just want to put some meat on what I said before. Acts 19.6, it comes after the laying on of hands. or comes after prayer. Acts 19.6 says, When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. They spoke in tongues and they prophesied and it goes on. So the enemy, the devil, will always try to stop our breakthrough, especially when it comes to receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because it's that baptism that empowers you. It's that baptism that sets us apart. Yeah? The enemy's always going to try to shift and change things. And I reckon, I'm going to I'll go out on a limb. I think it's. I think I could almost say that even while we've been listening this morning, the enemy has been trying to sow seeds of doubt in some. If that's okay, I've probably given you so many scriptures that you'll have about a third of the Bible left once you rip them all out. When it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we need to open our hearts. We need to ask, we need to receive. We need to ask Daddy for what he promised. He promised. That's why in Mark 11:24 24, it says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, whatever you ask for in prayer, just in case you missed it, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So today, I, I want to have ministry time today. I want to open the altar. And, and we're going to open the altar for those who want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to open the altar for those that just need to be refreshed and refilled like Peter and Paul again, yeah? We want to breathe on you. We want to pray for you. We want to lay hands on you. But first, I want to share some stories really quickly, just in case you think that I'm making it up. But here's something about from D.L. Moody. Who knows D.L. Moody? If you don't, look him up, yeah? D.L. Moody was a successful minister, but by his own admission later, he lacked the power in his ministry. One day, two women came up to him after the service. They said, we've been praying for you. Why don't you pray for the people, he asked. Because you need the power of the Spirit, they said. I need the power. Why? said Mr. Moody in relating the incident years after. I thought I had power. I had the largest congregations in Chicago and there were many conversions. Moody also said that in a sense he was satisfied. He was in a comfort zone. But these two praying women rocked the boat. They told him that they were praying for an anointing by the Holy Spirit for D.L. to have a special service to God. He could not get this off his mind and he said, there came a great hunger in my soul. I did not know what it was and I began to cry out to God as never before. I felt I did not want to live if I could not have this power for service. After the great fire of Chicago, Deal was working to raise money to rebuild a tabernacle. He said his heart was not into it because he kept crying out to God to fill him. He withdrew and prayed during a visit to New York to raise money, and he cried that God would fill him with his spirit. Deal describes it this way. Well, one day in the city of New York, oh, what a day. I can't describe it. I seldom refer to it. It is almost too sacred an experience to name. Paul had an experience of which he never spoke for 14 years. I can only say that God revealed himself to me, and I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. I went to preaching again. The sermons were not different. I did not present any new truths, and yet hundreds were converted. I would not now be placed back where I was before that blessed experience if you should give me all the world. It would be as the small dust of the balance. What about R.A. Torrey? Oh, you've got to read about that bloke. He gives this testimony. The address of this afternoon and the addresses of the days immediately to follow are the outcome of an experience. And that experience was the outcome of the study of the word of God. After I'd been a Christian for some years and after I'd been in the ministry for some years, my attention was strongly attracted to certain phrases in the gospel and in the acts of the apostles and in the epistles, such as baptised with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, the gift of the Holy Spirit, endued with power from on high and other closely allied phrases. As I studied these various phrases in their context, it became clear to me that they all stood for essentially the same experience. And it became clear to me that God has provided for each child of his in this present dispensation that they should be thus baptized with the Spirit or filled with the Spirit as he called it. As I studied the subject still further, I became convinced that they described an experience which I did not myself possess. You've got to understand, so far the second example of these great men of God that are kicking goals, yeah? Yeah. They're kicking goals, and he says, Of an experience that I have not yet possessed. And I went on to work to secure for myself the experience thus described. I sought earnestly that I might be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I went at it very ignorantly. I have often wondered if anyone ever went at it any more ignorantly, ignorantly than I did. But while I was ignorant, I was thoroughly sincere and, and earnest. See, there was a hunger and a thirst and a desperation, yeah? Yeah. And God met me as he always meets the sincere and earnest soul, no matter how ignorant he may be. And God gave me what I sought. I was baptized with the Holy Spirit. And the result was a transformed Christian life and a transformed ministry. Why don't we stand and I'm going to get the worship team to come up. And this is my favorite story of all. Charles Finney. You ready for this one? I was powerfully converted on the morning of the month of October, 1822. In the evening of the same day, I received overwhelming baptisms of the Holy Ghost that went through me, as it seemed to me, body and soul. I immediately found myself endured with such power from on high that a few words dropped here and there to individuals were the means of their immediate conversion. My words seemed to fasten like barbed arrows in the souls of men. They cut like a sword. They broke the heart like a hammer. Multitudes can attest to this. Oftentimes, a word dropped without my remembering, it would fasten conviction and often result in almost immediate conversion. Sometimes I would find myself, in a great measure, empty of this power. I would go and visit and find that I made no saving impression. I would exhort and pray with the same result. I would then set apart a day for private fasting and prayer, fearing that this power had departed from me and would inquire anxiously after the reason of this apparent emptiness, after humbling myself and crying out for help. Here we go. Thirst, hunger, desperation. The power would return upon me with all its freshness. This has been the experience of my life. We're going to sing that song that we sang right at the end. And I just want you to sing it through. But I want you to consider within yourself whether you need to to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to consider within yourself if you need a refreshing, yeah, another infilling of the Holy Spirit today. But first let's sing. And allow that hunger, that thirst and that desperation to stir up. Amen. Bless you, God.